All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Third Banner Pod. I'm your host, Ash. We got Kyle, Ty, and Ross. We also have a special guest at t- tonight with uh, Ty Spalding coming on. Um, good, really excited to have him on the show tonight. Uh, and it's 115 days until Cardinal football beats Kentucky, boys. So let's go. Let's go. Ash has still got the countdown. Hey, look at Jason 234 in the chat. He said he beat Couch House here. That, 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 wow. You know, he waited all week. He probably waited since that Kenny Payne part. He's been counting down. Oh, controversy. Couch House is here. Uh oh, we got comment beef. They're going to be fighting in the chat. Brother. All right. Oh, man. Seriously, we got a really good episode. It's been a minute. Oh, it's been a while, Ash. Where you been, man? You've been, yeah, you been uh, got, stepping uh, out on us. I know, like some people, you guys know, of course, but like other people know may may not know that I, you know, I started my own little charity down here uh, called Opportunity Through Sport. We had a lot of stuff going on the last few weeks, so I've been working literally. Uh, you know, other than my day job, I've been working on that literally every night for the last three weeks. So. It's been check that out if you guys get a chance. If you guys ever get check out his Twitter account, Opportunity Through Sport. He just provides kids opportunities, nonprofit organization, provides them opportunities they may not otherwise have. Take a look at it on Twitter again, Opportunity Through Sport. And uh, yeah, Connor's already saying Ty Spalding is greater than Ty Elliott. So hey, look, we're about to have more ties in here than the local men's warehouse. You're going to like the way you look, I guarantee Yeah, you will. <laughs> yeah, you will. Joke, Con- Connor, I'll remember that. I'll remember that. But that, you know oh, what? That's man. fine. I'll, I'll give what, up the, I'll give I've up the wait, crown for I've been Ty. waiting to pull that one out. But uh, we Ash. do have Ty waiting uh, in the lobby here. He is the uh, cardinalsports.com rivals UofL publicist. So he does a really good job, has a lot of scoop, shares it on there a lot. If you guys haven't, Take a look at Rivals.com. Take a look at CardinalSports.com. See if it's something you'd be interested in. I'm on there. I get a lot of good updates on there, so I recommend it to everybody. But without further ado, here is uh, Ty Spalding. Ty, welcome to the Third Banner Pod. We appreciate you being on tonight, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to uh, to be on here. I've tuned in several episodes and, and chimed in, in the chat, so I'm glad to join you all this time. Yeah, yeah, we, we're, we we're definitely glad to have noticed you. that, man. We appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Uh, so, they, you know, the big thing right off the bat, we we just finished what was arguably the biggest football recruiting week in the history of our program. May not seem quite like it due to the prospects all being about a year and a half out. But, you know, last I counted, it was three five-stars, 15 four-stars, and then a lot of – very good quality players, even even below that. So, Ty, is there any big any big updates or any big news as far as how how the prospects came out of that weekend feeling? Yeah, I think there's a couple guys that they feel like they made a pretty big impression on. Um, and again, like you said, these these are 2025 kids. Uh-huh. You're not gonna likely get a commit you know right off a visit from any of them especially guys that's highly rated but the air hill is one that they feel like they're in a great spot for um he on rivals is a top 50 national kid um he's he's listed as an athlete out of illinois um 
but they feel like they made – they're off to a great start in that recruitment. Um, and like I said, he's a top 50 kid. Those don't just – you can't just go pick those off a tree. So mm-hmm. right. that's, that's a, a kid that I would watch closely moving forward. Um, Michigan and Missouri are there as well, but he's one that I think – they have an inside track on um, and getting him on campus already is a big start. I think the other one they feel good about in what they've done so far is Jet White. Um, he's 146 on rival, so a top 150 kid out of California. I honestly didn't think um, past this most recent class that Louisville would continue to recruit in California. Um I thought they would go back to the southeast routes, Georgia, Florida, um, occasionally Alabama, and really, you know, lock up the state. Um, but here's a kid out of California that they're in on. Um, and look, if if they feel like they have a shot, then then they're going to use the resources and the money to recruit him. So those two, for sure, I, I think they feel good about. Um, Isaac Sal's out of Mail is not as highly rated as them as those two right now, but he's he's a national recruit. He's going to be a kid that Louisville and Kentucky battle over probably till the end. I think Louisville feels good there right now. Um, he was on campus as well, and then Caleb Cunningham is a is a recruit that's top twenty on rivals. Um, and look back on Sal's. Chris Barclay is is a great recruiter, but he's even better in state. So, yeah, he him on staff is huge. He he was big in the uh, the Wu Spencer recruitment, uh, sealing that one up. Um, so he he's going to be a guy that he was big on the Sean Boykins recruitment, the kid out of North Harden, I believe, in twenty twenty four. Chris Barclay was instrumental in that recruitment. So any in-state kid, the recruiter, the primary recruiter on those is going to be Chris Barclay, more likely than not. And then the last kid I was getting around to was Caleb Cunningham. He's a top 20 recruit, wide receiver. And, look, this is a kid that, you know, a lot of times, you know, you have these recruits. There's somehow, some way there's connection to the Louisville staff, to the program. It's a kid that Louisville just – found they reached out and they were able to convince him to come on a visit and not only did he visit he brought his mom with him um that's as we all know moms love making decisions they love being part of decisions so that's that's a good sign early on and that was a kid that um that brady brahm is in on so um so all i everything i've heard is that the event went well um like we mentioned a lot of 2025 kids with 2024, you know, I think for right now they're going to hold Pat with what they have. And if something shakes out or a kid opened his recruitment that they were in on that they might hit the gas, but, but look, 2024 is not going to be probably what the expectation is moving forward under Brom. I think we've accepted that at this point. But for me, they addressed two major needs. Uh, tight end is a major need. 
they that room is depleted. Uh, no one's fault, really. They tried in the portal. That's really the only position. I talked to a staffer. That's really the only position they feel like they struck out on in the portal. That every other position they wanted, they wanted guys. They got them tied in for some reason. They just couldn't couldn't hit on that position. So look, they've got a four star tight end in the twenty twenty four class. They needed to get a tight end in that class, and they got it. That's huge. The running back room, Jaws is, I believe, his last year of eligibility. Garendo from Wisconsin, he's played a lot of football. He's probably this this is his last year more than likely. And they've got a, a great running back in 2024, Duke Watson. He tweeted out that he got an official offer from Auburn. I mean, we all know Auburn hasn't been great. Whenever you get a kid that has a legitimate offer from Auburn, that's huge. So they've got two positions of need tied in and running back, in my opinion. And then in addition, you always want a quarterback, and they've got a great one in Deuce Adams. So yes, while this sir. class – it's probably not going to finish where we'd all like it to. They address some needs, in my opinion, especially a tight end and running back. They've got their quarterback they like. So I think as far as numbers go and finishing highly in the rankings, I would look more at 2025 to get a real gauge on what the staff is going to do as a whole. Um, so, yeah, I went a little long there, but that's kind of a brief summation of, of what I've – what I've got on that front. That's all right. That's what hey, we're here for. That's awesome news, man. Yeah, overall sounds great. Right. Um, like I said, the the 24 class, I don't have any names right now that I can give out as guys that are close to committing. But um, as senior season tape gets rolled out, you know, most of the time you're going to get recruited off your sophomore junior tape. But in Louisville's case, where they're in kind of a holding pattern, they may wait and see on some senior tape whether to, whether or not to take certain kids. So mm-hmm. I would I would look for if offer if more offers do go out, I would probably wait for the first couple of weeks of the senior season to get kicked off before those do get rolled out. Yeah, I have a question for you. Uh, yeah. You mentioned Barclay and how instrumental he's been on the recruiting front. When you talk about this coaching staff, who are the heavy hitters on the recruiting side? You mentioned Barclay, but when we send, you know, Barclay, is it Coach Hagen? Is it, you know, who is it that when we send them, you know, we're sending our best? Yeah, so Barclay in state is as good as it gets. I mean, the North Harden kid, Sean Boykins, before Barclay got involved, from what I understand, this kid was a heavy Kentucky lean. And Barclay and others really helped flip that recruitment. But when you look at Florida, and this might be a surprise, Mark Ivey has deep yep. roots in Florida. Um, wow. He was big with Stan Quan Clark, huge with Stan Quan Clark. Obviously, D. Nick was was obviously good as well in Florida, but when I talk to the national guys' arrivals and they're interviewing kids from Florida, I'm like, "Who's who's the assistant they mentioned?" And they all say, say Mark Ivy. Wow, he's 
he uh, he's originally I th- I believe he's originally from that area. He, I believe he might have even played high school football in Florida. So he's yeah. got a lot of connections there with high school coaches. And look, Florida's a state that we all know the best teams that Louisville's had. You got to have a crop of players from that state. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to assistants who recruit that state well, Mark Ivey is that guy. Um, Steve Ellis is very good as well. He's he's also southeast primarily. He's a guy that that's solid. Um, Garrick McGee solid as well. Um, but really, to speak on specifics from what I know, Ivy is is the guy in Florida that has the connections. That's made some inroads there, and and uh, Florida is going to be a key state. So, you know, I think a lot of people might have been caught by surprise by me saying that. I was as well when I heard it. But but Mark Ivy is is not only a guy that that brings the energy on the field. The players love him, but he gets it done on the recruiting trail as well. Connor yeah, no, in the chat I, is asking, what about any, any late, late additions to the 23 class? Um, I'm assuming he's talking about Goodwin, and we can address that. Look, I, this is, brings me to another uh, topic. Look, the aspirations connection, that can't be overstated. You know, um, there's a 2026 kid at Manual that's going to be a national recruit. And he trains at Aspirations. Look, that relationship is good. is is really really solid. Um, Satterfield and Petrino, for whatever reason, they I don't know if they didn't get along with Vaughn or they didn't want to deal with the headache, presumed headache. I, I don't know. I've never you know. By all accounts, you know Chris Vaughn's a, a good enough guy. Um, so I don't know the past administrations why they didn't bother to build a connection there, but but look, Brom is Brom's really close to the Vaughn. Stephen Heron's a, a Vaughn guy that that Brom got just this last cycle. Uh, Micah Carter was as well. Um, so with Goodwin, you know, Vaughn trusts this staff to do what's best for Goodwin, and and look, everyone knows Dave. Dave's really close with the guys over there. Um, and the way it was worded to me is that it's probably a 75 to 80% chance that Goodwin ends up enrolling at Louisville. Um, now, I don't know, you know, about the scholarship numbers. By my rough count last week, I believe there were three available. Obviously, a, lot, a handful of walk-ons typically will get a scholarship at the end of fall camp. Um, so they may be holding, you know, two of those for, for walk-ons. Uh, I know they would still take another tight end if one falls in their lap. So I don't know if, if the scholarship situation is the holdup or figuring out when's the best time for him to enroll in classes. But like I said, 75 to 80% is the numbers that were given to me that Goodwin will be a Louisville Cardinal. He was at practice the last two days with Chris Vaughn. Um, so, look, yeah, I feel I feel good about it. Any any Chris Vaughn kid that's coming up through the ranking through the through the ranks that's a, a, a power five recruit, you can you can bet that Louisville will have as good as chance of anybody. 
Before Brom got here, Vince Miro had no no competition over there at Aspirations. He was really he was Miro was really close with Vaughn. They were really really tight, and I feel confident saying that had the money been there, Miro would have came over as an assistant at Louisville. Now, don't clip this and put it out because I don't want insurance claims being written in my name or anything like that. We've never clipped anything. Hey, it's too, it's about, too late. We already have it on short. We're, we're sending it now. <laughs> it's on Twitter already. But, yeah. X. It's, it's on X. It's an X video. It's an X video. Yeah. And that, and that, and that is uh, a testament to how much Merrill respects Brom and knows what kind of what kind of job he's going to do at Louisville. Um, there was a there was a point in time where Merrow and Vaughn were not on great terms. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard since if those if if that's kind of been fixed or what the latest is there, but I know at a time um, Merrow and Vaughn were were a little bit on rocky terms, but I don't know if that's since been resolved, but yeah, I mean, any kid at aspirations, Louisville's going to have a great shot at. Uh, Chris Vaughn being welcomed to practice is not a bad sign. In fact, it's a great sign. Um, so yeah, with Goodwin, I, I think seventy-five to eighty percent chance he's a, he's at Louisville. I mean, awesome. what I got from that is it doesn't even matter if Morrow is on good terms with Vaughn. To be completely honest, I mean. It sounds like we're the show in town now, like it's always been. We just had uh, a clown show here for a little bit that didn't didn't do their thing and allowed Mero and those guys to, to do whatever they were doing down the road. But, you know, the real show's back in town. So that's what it sounds I mean, like. That's what I heard. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, there's no way around it. Mero's owned the city of Louisville's owned the state. But yeah. a lot of those kids were at aspirations and – Louisville just didn't have a relationship there. So while on one hand you gotta give credit to Mero for getting the kids, but on the other hand, he he didn't have I mean, we saw it with the Wu Spencer recruitment. I mean, whether that kid ends up playing it down to football here or not, that that's a aspirations recruitment. He announces he announces choice at Aspirations Gym. Chris Vaughn was heavily involved until the last minute, and Louisville won out there. Um, so, so look, if this city can continue to produce power five talent, you got to like Louisville's chances, especially, um, with the relationship with bond and aspirations moving forward. Well, and that's the thing is like that the city's produced more talent in the past five years than we've seen in probably a really long time at the D one football level. And we've missed on basically all of them, you know, it's just one timing. Juan Dill wasn't a city kid, but he's an aspirations kid that Louisville Louisville didn't even have a sniff at. Mm -mm. And why would you not, if you're Juan Dill, I mean, he could have played in, you know, an off, like he, he went to Kentucky where, you know, they had changed their offense a little bit, but they still weren't throwing the ball around. And that's a kid that you got to imagine if Brom was in on that recruitment at Louisville, you got to assume. He would have been here. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's that's Rondell uh, Moore. Ex- yeah, Rondell Moore exactly. Just yeah, this is definitely been the best draft since 
since like the Eric Shelton through Mario Urudia type years. Yeah, it's there's been a lot of talent come through here. I'm I'm just glad that Brom's back because you know after the I'm sorry I'm gonna say it after the last fraud we had and the crock of crap <laughs> that we were sold about, um, you know about that that coaching staff was gonna repair all the local uh, rifts that you know the end of Bobby 2.0 had done. You know I. I, that was my biggest thing with the last staff is that I think they always were selling us a bag of goods. And then that ended up being true. Like they, they were supposed to come here and mend all these local recruiting ties and they did it for like well, two months. And then it was just disappear. gone. Well, the funny thing about that is, you know, they said the same thing up at Cincinnati. Yep. They're going to recruit the city of Cincinnati harder than ever. And I heard from some people up there that, they put they on a nice, you know, nice show, but mm-hmm. they've cooled there. And they said the same thing about the city of Louisville here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think they, Petrino as well. I mean, Petrino just, he just, he never made that relationship with Bond. Satterfield never did. And they're selling that same that same product up at Cincinnati. We're going to recruit the city of Cincinnati. I mean, because we all know Cincinnati produces a ton of talent up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they said that Satterfield said that same exact line at his introductory press conference at Cincinnati. We're going to prioritize the city. And from the early returns I've heard, they have not followed through on that. So, Ty, I have a question about oh, – to kind of divert a little bit, but football-related – you made a comment on rivals actually in the thread I posted about uh, about he, Jeff Brom was walk. I believe he said it was Jeff Brom was walking the touring the facilities with who was it you were talking about? It sounded like you know a good yeah. thing as far as donors go. Yeah. So someone asked um, on the boards, "Do I feel like let me let me pull this up so I get the wording correct?" In your opinion, is this the most united the Louisville fan base has been in a long time? Everyone from fans, donors, players, coaches, everything. And, yeah, that I would say yes. And, look, we all know the name Jonathan Blue. He's been, he's been regularly over there at the football facility since Brown was hired. Now, Jonathan had a falling out with the football program, you know, years ago. So the fact that he's back around is, is great news. If you're not familiar with Jonathan Blue, he's very successful, um, big supporter of UofL. He's back involved. Today at practice, the That's head of fundraising at UofL, um, Michael Dudas, was uh, walking Wade Houston around practice. That, that wow. one I was so, – I, I thought you said Jeff Braun, but you're talking about Michael Dudas. Okay, yep. Yeah, so Dudas is in charge of the Cardinal Athletic Fund. Mm-hmm. Big fundraising over. He's been been at U of L since the George days. And when you have a basketball royalty, yes, Wade Houston has a grandson on the team, but when you have a basketball royalty like that, who's invested and wants to see a practice, you know, without pads on, and is that interested? That's a great sign of getting not just former football players back around, but just donors, former basketball players. Caleb Glenn was there with his dad today. You know, I don't – I can't recall off the top of my head if basketball players were 
were out there in the Satterfield tenure. I, I don't I don't know for sure one or the other, but there's just Tom numerous examples of of everyone from donors to basketball players to you name it that are all interested and excited about what Brom's going to do here. So so yeah, look, Wade Houston is he's 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 founded and sold multiple successful businesses in Louisville. He has a huge influence in the city. And for him to have an interest in in, fo- in a football practice in August, I mean that's that's huge. That's that's positive news all the way around. So yeah, yeah. to answer that guy's question, you know, this is the guy that you know, there was a push, you know, and I'll stand by this. There was a push back, um, what was that, December of either 21 or 20. Um, I fully believe Vince would have, if not for the Neely bleep show, I fully believe Vince was going to try his damnedest to make a swap then. Um, the donors wanted it. Um, they wanted Brom then, um, the buyout money. Some people questioned if it was there. I, I think Vince did have the money to buy him out. Um, but we all know what happened and that's water under the bridge. Um, but what I, I mean, what I can say is that there's, there's an optimism inside the, inside the football program, you know, Brom saying that their goals when the ACC championship was a tad surprising. Not, not in the sense that look, when you're asked, you know, what do you qualify a successful season? You can't give a bland answer. You got to answer. truthfully. <laughs> I can think but, of one coach that does. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is Brom is very good at saying a lot, but saying nothing. And there's a reason he's doing that. Mm-hmm. There's a quiet confidence in there that they can win big and win right away. So, you know, when Brom gives a lot of these, you know, coach talk answers, when he, you know, when he gives a lot, but not, not much, not many specifics, you know, that's not because he doesn't feel good about what they have. They, they feel very good about this season. And, and I think a quiet optimism is the best way to put it. Hey, Ty, I want to ask you something real quick. Um, And I'm going to switch to the, training camp now um of all the position battles that are going on in my opinion the most intriguing one is actually the third string quarterback spot uh we all know that jack Plummer is going to start this year and it's safe to assume that brock is going to be the backup but who gets that third spot between pierce and brady allen i think is going to sit up really big for the future and who might start next season how do you see that shaking out what have you heard what have you seen Look, I heard from three different people that Pierce Clarkson had a great day today throwing the ball. Um, and, look, all five of us could go to the practice. We could all five have different takeaways. You know, it's whatever. I could be looking at one side of the field on one play. It's 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 hard to really, to really gauge a practice where they're not in full pads and you know, I could miss a great throw from Pierce and turn around and see him throw a bad throw, and I could come on here and say he had a terrible day. But, like I said, three different people that were there said he threw, threw the ball the best out of any of the guys um, outside of Plummer. 
Um, so I've heard Pierce, you know, the spring I, I didn't hear, you know, he didn't practice the injury, you know, the way he was adjusting to college, you know, I had some mixed emotions there, but I've heard through fall throughout fall camp so far, he's really, really looked good. As far as Brady Allen goes, what I hear is that the frame is there, the arm strength is there, but I heard I think the def- defense had three or four interceptions today, and I believe three of those were off of Brady Allen throws. Wow. Um, so I think that's just going to be – it's just going to be one of those where we see just how good Brom is at developing the, a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um He's he's extremely raw, so so yeah. To answer your question, I mean, I feel a lot better about Pierce's development now than I did back in the spring, just for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons. Um, even though we didn't practice, just just kind of some things I was hearing. I mean, nothing bad. Just you know, a high school senior enrolling early. You know, there's a lot of adjusting that needs to happen. And through two days, I, I feel a lot better about Pierce being a real um, a, a real um, mainstay at the quarterback spot for the foreseeable future. So I feel good about about Pierce a lot better than I did back in the spring. Staying on that topic, I see a couple of comments about Harrison Bailey. Have you heard much about Harrison Bailey yet and any impact he's had, or is he in camp yet? So I have not heard anything on him. Um okay. The roster is updated. Um, TJ Capers is on it. So I would assume he's on that roster. Uh, but I have not heard anything on him. I, 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 I did confirm he was a walk-on. So, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think he was coming here under the impression that he was going to have a real shot to, to really get reps. But um, I haven't heard anything there. Evan Conley's still there. Um, you know, he's a guy that – that wants to get into coaching. So he's he's been instrumental in just kind of getting getting guys used to Louisville, um, the locker room. You know, from that standpoint, he's been great there. Uh, but I have not heard anything on Harrison Bailey. I would assume he's there. Um, I would assume he's going through camp. But like I said, I, I don't foresee him being a real – um, contender for any backup reps at this time. Um, but if you can add someone like that at, at no expense of scholarship, I mean, you absolutely do it. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, but I just don't, don't know if, if he's going to be a factor in anything um, as far as playing time. Do you know Ty. anything about Jeff's mentality as far as, like, you know, obviously I bring this up because obviously Jeff played for Howard Schnellenberger um, and obviously coached under Petrino his first tenure here. Uh, and both of those coaches, whenever they had highly acclaimed freshman quarterbacks that came in, uh, would oftentimes play them the first or second series of the second quarter, uh, regardless of the, the game and situation. Do you think there's a situation where Jeff may do that just to give, like, say, Pierce some experience? I did hear um, that Pierce has been – him and Plummer have 
there's been multiple uh, sessions of practice where just him and Plummer have been pulled to the side to work on various things. Um, now that could could mean a lot. It could mean nothing. Um, but I did hear that there were multiple sessions of practice that him and Pierce were pulled to the side working on various other things separate from the rest of the quarterbacks. Um, the you know the interesting thing there is, you know, the red shirt has kind of the importance of a red shirt has kind of gone out the window with with the guys getting a free year with COVID, mm-hmm. but. I would assume that's out the window yeah. for most players. Um, so that's just going to come down to whether or not, you know, Pierce – yeah, Harrison Bailey is on the roster, by the way. So he's he's uh, he is there and going through practice. Um, but as far as Pierce, I would say it comes down to whether or not him, his dad – I mean, look, I'm not saying his dad's going to be involved any day to day, but his dad will probably have a say in whether or not they're cool with burning a red shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll well, come down playing to that. four games now. So, yeah, I would say it will come down to that. You know, if he progresses enough to where Jeff feels like he can help them win games, then yeah, I mean, and, and Pierce's, you know, camp is cool with burning a red shirt. Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, but like I said, I think that'll come down to, do we want to burn a red shirt? Um, and you know, if Pierce continues to develop, like I said, throwing the ball, you know, from all accounts, he looked great today. Um, you know, he's working, you know, in, in you know, private drills, just with him and Plummer. That's certainly a good sign. I think it just comes down to, to what Jack Plummer does. You know, if he, if he's, if he's what we need him to be, then there's probably not a reason to, to throw Pierce in randomly. But, you know, if there's maybe a game where there's the offense is stalled, yeah, I could see them throwing Pierce out there in some different packages. But but I think it just comes down to the red shirt and how Plummer looks, you know. Because, you know, look, I think most people around Pierce, you know, they, they kind of assumed and, – and they – look, they – they were glad that that Louisville went out and got Jack Plummer. You know, they, yeah. they helped with that. I mean, if we're keeping it frank here, they, yeah. they had some connections there. Um, and, and they obviously Brom had a relationship as well, but, but look, they, they, uh, they, they liked Plummer to come here. So I think they knew going into it that there's going to take some time with Pierce. Um, but if he, if he gets ready faster than, than everyone anticipated, then why not? You know, why not see what he can do? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I I think there is a chance that there, that he could see the field this year. What's really intriguing is that, you know, is that Brom, you know, everybody's oftentimes when he got here, it was like, you know, Pierce Clarkson, how's he going to fit? He's not the Brom prototypical quarterback, you know, but Jeff, Jeff is very creative and he's more open he's more open to doing things he he still has an idea of what he wants to do but if he has a guy that's a little bit different I think he's open to interpretation and you know evolving his offense to fit his best player you know so 
Um, look, yeah, you, you just look at look at who they have in the 2024 class. They handpicked yeah. Deuce Adams. Yeah. You know, that that should tell you that Brom is not locked in to one certain way to run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the steal of a lifetime, by the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally on the Deuce caboose. I'm going to get out and watch look, him play this year. But I live just north at, of Boston. so. When you look at Deuce Adams, I mean, he's, he's certainly a kid that can throw out of the pocket, but – He's got some mobility to him, and Brom's yeah. recruiting that type of quarterback for the future. Then, then yeah, you can assume that he's going to be able to design an offense that fits Pierce. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I you know look, I think for me when when I saw them bring in Brady Allen, and you know my mind kind of went to you know maybe Pierce gets squeezed out of this conversation, but but I think through through fall camp thus far he's he's holding his own and and look Pierce working out here you know whether it's Pierce Brady whoever it is you know whoever can win the most games that's who we want but but if it's Pierce and he's that guy I mean that that'd be awesome I mean that that yes it would and I'm still not ruling out DeAndre Moore and Reuben Owens as down the road transfers I know that that's not something that's guaranteed to happen but they're still close with pierce clarkson and if pierce somehow enjoys what he's experiencing at louisville and then these two guys even just one of them you know they're not things aren't just aren't shaking out the way they hope we're going to be at the top of the list if if yeah i mean look with reuben owens i feel very confident saying that he had moved a lot of his stuff here i know that's that's true. Been, been posted and made its rounds. That's yeah. not a old wives' tale. I I can tell you that with pretty good certainty that that was the case. Um, it, it's it's one of those where Darrell Sims. I mean, he just got a kid, a running back in twenty twenty four over Kentucky. Darrell Sims is a good recruiter, and he had a good relationship with Reuben Owens. And you know, I think if you know Darrell, yeah, there was a a time where Darrell thought about staying on the staff here. Um, I think Ruben would be at Louisville if that was the case. Um, but, yeah, I think it's one of those situations you keep that relationship there. And if things don't work out, you know, second time comes around and and you can and you can have that relationship. And maybe he could see, you know, I think I think he's going to see, you know, Jawar Jordan and Maurice Turner have a big year, not only running the ball, but catching the ball. And yeah. with the running back spot, I think I think we're seeing the NFL, like a B. John Robinson, if you can if you can run routes out of the backfield and catch the ball, you know, that's where the value is at the running back spot right. in the NFL now. And so with Ruben Owens, you know, if if he sees what Brown does with the running backs this year, you know, that could definitely bode well um for Louisville if he does enter the portal. Cause I, I just don't know. I just don't know how you know A and M's offense has been so bad under Jimbo Fisher. It's been terrible. Um, you know, I just don't know that Bobby's the the answer to that prayer. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's certainly something to watch. And and DeAndre Moore, you know, it's uh, you know Louisville Louisville was in that recruitment till the very last last minute. Second, yeah. They, they did everything they could. They, I mean, and DeAndre, look, DeAndre was, 
he was com- he was communicating with the Louisville staff all the way up until the end. So I wouldn't rule that one either out either. Mm-hmm. Ty, can I can I ask you uh, one of the one of the uh, chat members there? Uh, I think it was Macro was saying something about um, about defensive players. I, I kind of wanted to hit on that um, in particular. A couple defensive linemen. Uh, it seems Jermaine Lalay and uh, Mason Rager haven't been involved. Uh, they've been dressed, but they haven't been going through drills or anything. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about that, if you heard anything about that, because I think both of those guys could be uh, for sure too deep uh, contribute uh, contributors this year and maybe touch on Aaron Williams and he, uh, how's he doing in his recovery. Yeah, Aaron Williams and TJ Capers were dressed today. Yeah but they were doing some work on the side. Um, but they were dressed out in uniform today. Um, so that's a good sign. I mean, yeah, they're, um, they're getting better. As far as Lole, I, I just texted someone um, to see if I could get an update there um, before we have to hop off here. Um, Cause right now I don't have anything. Um, he is on the roster. Everything I heard, up until fall camp was that he, they, they're expecting and hoping him to be a part of the defense. Um, so, like I said, I just texted someone. I will let you know if I hear anything. But um, Riger, I have not heard anything either. I think he could – I mean, I liked what he did last year. Man, but on the defense, a, real quick. He was a beast. You know, I think, you know, I heard that – a lot of people had a love-hate relationship with Brownlee last year. I mean, he got toasted in the Florida State game. He got lost, you know, more times than we'd like to remember. But, you know, what I heard from the staff before fall camp was that Brownlee and Riley are are just are, are as good as you're going to get at corner. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Brownlee had one bad game. I fight with people in our Discord about this. He yeah, had one bad game, and he had a cut. And then people remember a few times throughout the rest of the season he got burned. Well, you know, besides a guy like a Jair Alexander, you know, welcome to football. Your cornerback's going to get burned some. A even the, even the best get it every That's once in a while. It's just but, it, but, it happens. Honestly, Brownlee. The, now I, I remember the Florida State game. I was that's one of the games I got to attend this year. It was bad, and he yeah. talked a lot of trash before that game about f- playing them. And they said, "All right, you want some? Come get it." And they targeted him, and it was a bad game. But I, I do think that that kind of tarnished the perception of him throughout the season when he made some really key plays. And from like you said, Ty, I think from what everybody's been saying, he's improved from that point, and he's gotten even better. So yeah. I'm excited yeah. about that position. Brownlee and Riley are are really, really good corners. And them going up against Jamari Thrash, Kevin Coleman, Callaway, those guys, I mean, that I mean, if you're gonna go to a practice, I mean, getting to see those one on one battles, I mean, that's that's I mean, that's as that's as high level as you're gonna get. I mean, you're talking a legitimate all ACC receiver against legitimate all ACC corner. I mean, I heard today, I mean, the one-on-one battles were, were just a treat to watch. So the cornerback room is in great shape. I mean, look, Storm Duck was all ACC and he's, he's not even, I mean, he's not your first or second corner right now. Um, MGK is a, a 
beast of a prospect. He can't get on the field from what I've heard. Yep. I mean, they that's how good they feel about Riley and Brownlee. They they think those two guys are are really, really good players. Um I've heard Ben Perry is is really, really good and locked in and um he's uh he's looked great. Um I've heard some good things about TJ Quinn as well, linebacker. Um, I think, you know, the, the buzz names there are Keith Brown, the transfer from Oregon, and Stan Quan Clark, the true freshman. But I've heard TJ Quinn has been has been starting, has been looking good. Um, Quinn was all over the field in, in spring game. I mean, yeah. he was everywhere. Yeah. I, sticking to defense, have you – and I, you may not know this, but have you heard much about if we're going to be aggressive and blitz? Because that's a Ron English, like, st- like stigma that he, he – well, he's been here before, but also when he was at Purdue is that he's not very aggressive with the blitz. And as we saw under under Brian Brown, it was like Jack on Hyde whenever he decided to start blitzing and, and applying pressure. It was like a whole different defense. But for the first – you know, three and a half years, it was it was not that. So <laughs> don't remind me of that. Um, yeah. So it was just, it was pre-event. So I'm curious, Ty, have you heard much about what our philosophy is going to be as far as how aggressive we'll be? So Steve Ellis talked about that today. Okay. Um, you know, he said that's a he likes his defense for corners. He feels like they could make plays in it. And Brahm even talked about it at Media Day about how you know he saw last year. You know, when they started sending pressure, that's when this defense turned around. So I, I really do think they'll bring pressure. I heard Stephen Aaron had an unreal day today on the edge, just mm-hmm. was in the backfield all day. And that was a guy that throughout the spring, they, they were – some days he was working with the threes, some days he was working with the ones. I can't imagine that he's not on the, on the field as the first team defense against Georgia Tech. I mean – I already had a great day today. That's that's great news for, like you mentioned, getting pressure on the quarterback. Popeye Williams. I mean, everyone says it. He just he looks the part. You know, um, he's bulked up significantly. He's a guy with hair in there. Cam Wilson is a guy that's still on the team, and you know, he was a really highly rated kid coming out of high school. But he's just been playing behind. He's been playing behind Yasir Abdullah. You know, there's just not a lot of reps to go around when you have someone like that. Um, so I think they do have some guys that can rush the passer at a high level, uh, Heron being one of them, um, you know, Raheem Craig made some plays last year. Um, you know, Gelati is, is a guy that he talked about, you know, he's going to have some different looks this year. He's going to be able to go up against, you know, in the three, four, you know, he was, he would, a lot of the times, you know, he was he was up against a guard, a 320-pound guard. You know, this year he's going to be able to line up against a, a smaller tackler tight end. Um, so, I think he could take a big step forward. Um, so, I you know, I think they will. I think they – I mean, I think they have to. I think they saw last year, you know, obviously it's a completely different scheme, a lot of different players. But you've got to – you know, Brom said it. He's like – you we've got to find ways to pressure the quarterback. And so I think, I think they will. Um, I think they know they have to. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I don't have any worries there. And, and look, Ron English, you know, some people have some PTSD 
you know, about him in his prior stint here. But, you know, I've heard him and Steve Ellis are just an energy factor on the field. Just, just crazy in a good way. Yeah. Just all over the field. Just, just getting dudes hyped. Just, and that's what you. I mean, that's what you need. I mean, that's what you need on defense. And Mark so Ivy, to, and Mark Ivy on top of them. That's mm-hmm. that's, a, that's an yeah, intense. English is, English is very vocal. He's very yeah. vocal. And he's I loud. remember him overriding Crags a lot. That was one yeah. good thing about him is there were times where him and Crag were butted heads. Um, Ty, I did want to ask you know, and we we've been we've been talking about fifty minutes now, but. I know you had some basketball updates not too long ago on your board about the individual players and what you've heard through summer. Mm. Have you heard any recent updates about basketball as far as the development of not only the guys that have returned, but some of our incoming players? Yeah. So starting with the returners, Mike James is, as I mean, we all, we all heard last year he had a great relationship with Kenny, but I was told he's he's totally bought in this year. I'm not saying he wasn't last year, but, I mean, look, that team won four games. I mean, every player on the team looked disinterested at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not singling Mike out, but he, he, wasn't, he wasn't alone in that last year. I've heard he's completely bought in. He's lost 10 to 15 pounds. He's a lot slimmer. He's a lot quicker. And, look, he just couldn't. He just didn't have the lateral quickness last year, in my opinion, to guard a true two. He, he just true. he, he just looked a step slow. Mm-hmm. Um, he's dropped ten to fifteen pounds. He's bought in. He's quicker. So I, I've heard some good things about Mike James. And, and the overarching theme is that the, the the team last year just they weren't you know as as cliche as it sounds they just weren't. They just didn't – I mean, they just didn't live in the gym. I mean, they – you know, the, obviously, you know, mandatory practices are one thing, but, you know, a lot of these gym sessions, these guys bring in their own, you know, third-party trainers. You know, that's really common nowadays where guys have their own trainers, you know, separate from the staff. And the biggest biggest thing with this team is that they all are in the gym way more than they were last year. Um, Sky Clark, I've heard – Really good things there. You know, the big thing with him, and we all know this, is anything new is you've just got to keep him – you've got to keep his head on on the – eyes on the prize. Mm-hmm. I, mean, you, I mean, I'm not saying I've heard anything bad. You know, I'm not going to go into specifics there, but he's a guy that has all the talent in the world. When you look mm-hmm. on – he looks – everyone that, that scouts basketball will tell you, he looks as good as any prospect on a mixtape. He looks incredible, but you just have to keep you have to keep him locked in. You have to keep him focused. Um, so I've heard, you know, I've heard he's he's on the right right path as far as that concerned. Um, Trenton Flowers is they they really like what they have there. Um, they you know they feel good there. Um, Dennis Evans, look, I. I I think he starts um, at the five. Oh, wow. So, that, that's a hot take. <laughs> yeah. Is. I but that's my guy. I predicted on the buy and sell that he would be the most impactful freshman. So do I'm you think he starts him. along with Huntley Hatfield, or do you think he bounces Huntley Hatfield out? 
I think he starts with him. Uh, that's based on intel and just a gut feel, a little bit of both there. I think he starts at the five. And Kenny kind of hinted at it with the on the Rothstein podcast. You know, he said, like, we're not going to be what we want to be unless Dennis is yep. reaches his potential. So that, that kind of told you there that they know that he has to be good for this team to be good. I think he starts at the five. They, this team just didn't have any rim protection last year. They had – I mean, if you got beat off the dribble, it was a layup. Um, and I think Kenny knows, you know, rim protection is as important as anything nowadays. So I think he starts at the five. Um, Trey White, they they love the, they love Trey White. I mean, I don't know any way other way to say it. They They love Trey White. They think, you know – I think he's, they think he's as good as as good as a get as you could have gotten out of the portal. Um, I think I think they think that him and Sky could go pro after this year. Yeah, I, I don't know if it goes right. Yeah, I don't know anything there, um, but I they they love Trey White. They yeah they they're thrilled with him. Um, you know, with Homie Hatfield, it's just like. It's just one of he's one of those guys that, you know, you go to a practice or you go to an individual workout, and he's you're just like, why why isn't this guy dominating in games? You're just sitting there like where like where is that? If you could pull that uh, you know that intensity out of him, mm-hmm. he'd be a first rounder. But it just hasn't clicked yet. Um, yeah. It's just. He just hasn't – he just doesn't – you know, you know. I don't know if it ever will. I mean, some kids you just – you just sometimes you just can't coach intensity out of a kid. And, you know, the talent's there. I mean, the frame is there. The athleticism is there. But it's just all about getting him to say, you know, I'm going to get this rebound and no one's getting in my way. Like, he just doesn't – he just doesn't – he just hasn't – hasn't turned the corner from that standpoint. Um who else? Um, Curtis Williams. They they really like that kid. Um, I don't think you know. I don't. I don't think they're going to rely on him to play thirty minutes as a freshman. But I think for a top seventy kid, they think they got a steal, um, and they think they got a a shooting. You know, from a shooting standpoint, they feel like that's where he can help them the most. Um, How about Tyler Johnson? I was told he's not going to make it. Um, yeah, I figured. I figured. Um, I know Kenny said this <sighs> last Friday in his presser that I think he gave some answer that they're working through some things and, you know, he he didn't rule it out or anything. But from what I've been told, the kid, whether it was his high school's fault or the, you know, Whoever it was, they just yeah. did not do him any favors on his transcripts. Well, where um, the hell is Sandy Bell? Come on, let's make hey, it algebra three before algebra two, and let's go. I, I don't, I don't. I, don't I asked, I asked this person. I was like, getting into U of L is, you know, we all love U of L, but getting into school yeah. there is, you know, it's, it's not the hardest thing to do. And they just said his transcripts are at a point that even L 
it's not looking likely that <laughs> they, they can't save. They can't save it. That's yeah. oh man. Well, so, yikes. Have you? I'm curious. There's been a couple of guard names entered a portal within the last couple of days. I'm not sure. If yeah. You, if we heard anything there, I know it's hard to get anything out of it. Like it's very tight lipped. So. It's I mean, look. I think I think they're gonna roll with Karan Davis as the backup point guard. Um, okay. I just don't think. Kenny's mentality or his philosophy is to is the to rent a player for six months to fill up backup point guard role. I I would personally I would do it. I think yeah. all of, from the podcast we would all do it. Yeah, but I just don't think Kenny sees things that way for better or worse. I, I just yeah, I just don't think he looks at at the situation and says let's take a player to play fifteen minutes a game for six months for us. Yeah. I don't think that's anywhere inside his mind. Um, I'm curious where that came about. And I know you won't know the answer to this, but I'm just talking out loud. When he coached with John Calipari for over a decade, and that's all they did. So, and yeah. now I don't know. And I'm not hating. I'm just – it's curiosity thing. It's like I wonder where the idea came about, like, hey, we're not doing that anymore. I, I, don't, I, know. I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's strange because – you know, he talks a lot about, you know, he wants to get guys in here, build a program. It's like there's no guarantee that if you hit on somebody, they're not going to say peace out. You like, right. you hit on right. a, I mean, you hit on, I mean, you know, Joe Smith, you get him as a true freshman. He shows some flashes. What's to say he's not going to, you know, get a better offer in the portal and hit the portal? Right. And there's no guarantee that you're going to get these guys, whether you even if you want them to stay. There's no guarantee they're going to stay. Right. So I don't understand. You know, I don't understand that philosophy. Um, I, I just and I and you know I in I felt really good about what he did in the off season with the the talent he assembled, but I I talked to someone um, last week that that talks to coaches around the country on a regular basis. And they told me word for word that coaches in the ACC had a hard time putting together a game plan for Louisville because there was nothing to go off of. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I try I, to watch I mean, my words because there's a couple hey, of people I got strike, real upset. Strike, with strike that one from like the that. tape from the Maven Mafia. Strike that from the tape. And then look, I, Look, I, you know, I, I feel like oh. I've been really fair to Kenny. You Can know, I, that? <laughs> I, I, like, I'm not, you know, I haven't, I haven't blasted that quote anywhere because I just, we don't need that negative energy. We, I mean, it's just not going to do any good. No, but that was that was the way it was put to me, and that's a pretty damning statement. And the biggest issue I have with what Kenny's done is, I just don't think this staff is good is good enough. Like I'm not even saying like I I just felt like there was a rule that was passed by the NCAA July 1st you could have two more assistants on staff that could be on court assistants they couldn't yeah. recruit but they could be on the court during practice and games whatever and a lot of schools around the country John Calipari did it he took advantage of it they've got uh, Chuck Martin they've got Antigua they've got um, um, Chin Coleman. That's the, those are the three recruiting assistants. But they brought in John Welch because they that it's the new rule by the NCAA allows you to bring in an extra coach 
and they brought in someone like that. Kenny did not do any of that. Um, and I just don't think – I don't think Josh Jamison is a guy that's going to go into a film room and grind up a game plan. I don't think he's that guy. Um, I don't think Danny Manning Danny necessarily has the fire in him that he once did. Mm-hmm. I think Nolan's a – you know, I think Nolan deserves a lot of the credit for, you know, putting together this recruiting class. And, and one of my biggest gripes has been I feel like Nolan's – you know, on his own with recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. that's, I just, that's the perception I've always gotten. And I've yeah, mentioned so I on just here. Don't, I just don't know what Kenny's getting from his assistants right now. And I just don't know if he's getting enough to warrant the salaries they're making, the school that they're at. I just, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know that this, these, this, and, and that's probably going to be, you know, if we go 500 this year, he's going to have that in his back pocket to say, okay, we're going to shake up the staff. You know, that 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 excuse is right there. That is exactly, and I was told it was a negative thing and thinking negatively, but I, it's thinking strategy. Like, I also think, I think you're exactly right. I think that that's why we didn't make changes because it prolongs it. And I also think that's why he's afraid to put any sort of, like, minimum goal out there as far as well this is because then expectations occur but my counter argument to that and I I did not do a good job on the last pod of of explaining this part but when you set a minimum goal it's not like oh hey we need to win exactly this the minimum goal is to set an expectation because the argument was well don't players want to win every single game well yes they do but if there's no expectation from anybody in a leadership position there's no accountability and i guess that's where the goals come from is to to gain that accountability but with that then the coaching staff has to be accountable themselves and i and and ty i don't know if you feel that way about the win and not setting those goals but i feel that way about what you were talking about uh and then also with the goals is like you know, if you got rid of the staff, if you made staff changes, now it's on you. Because if you fail with another with with new staff, that pressure mounts. Just like if you set goals, you don't meet that pressure mounts. But to me, and this is where my skepticism comes in, the answer cannot be, well, we're going to shy away from all of that to drag this on. Like that's like to me, that's like a fear based tactic, and I hope that's not what is happening. So. I'm just curious, but but some of those type of things from a leadership standpoint do give me hesitancy. Yeah, I mean, i i got I got that text, and and that's not trying to be negative. I'm just I'm just being honest. Like I'm really being honest. Like those are hesitancies I have. I mean, look, this guy that told me this talks to coaches across the country, um, and I feel pretty good about about where he got his info and I just was like, man, I mean, but, but is that, is that a surprise to anybody? I mean, does any, do any of us no. know what the Not plan of us. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us could tell us what we were trying to do defensively last year. It was such a wreck. You couldn't tell from game to game. I mean, it was just, there was no consistency. The defense was worse than the offense. I mean, the I mean, defense was just in 
And J- Jason, you make a good point in the comments about Jeff Brom. Look, it's it's apples and oranges. But I will say Jeff Brom made a comment. I heard it on the drive when Mark Ennis, uh, I think it was today actually. It might have been yesterday at 3 o'clock. He played some clips from the, the most recent Brom prep. Mm-hmm. Like, he met with the media. And Jeff Brom said something about it's our job to get these newcomers on board and on the same page as the rest of the team. And if it doesn't happen and they don't get on the same page, that's my fault. And, and I, I mean, I heard that and I wasn't even trying to compare it to what Kenny Payne says, but I love the answer because it was like, yeah, it's my responsibility. I could easily say, well, you know, it's going to take them two or three years to adjust to being on the football team. He didn't do that. He flat out came out and said, look, it's, I don't, I've got to do it. You know, that's just the climate we live in, the transfer portal era. Got to get these guys in here, get them ready. And if they're not ready, whose fault is it? I'm not going to blame my players is the way I took it. I'm taking full accountability. I want all that smoke. I get that paycheck. I'm in charge of this program with greater freedom and greater becomes greater responsibility. And he embraces that, in my opinion. And that's where I kind of – I try not to compare – but if you didn't know any better, and I know we, I know this is not the case with Jeff Braun, but if you did not know any better, you would think he literally watches these press conferences from Kenny Payne and literally says, I'm going to answer the exact opposite whenever I get asked that question. Because it's like it's it's completely different extremes when those two talk. And I prefer in taking all the responsibility as the leader and, and not blaming any, you know, extraneous variables or things out of your control or just diverting responsibility. So that's just, that's something I noticed when I heard the drive today. And and I was, I was impressed with his answers for sure. Yeah. I mean, in another, I mean, he was asked, you know, straight up, like, you know, can you put a number of wins? Can you put, can you tan, can you, what, how can you qualify, you know, a successful season? Yeah. And, you know, some of your goals you want to keep in-house, but, like, he went on the record and saying, you know, their goal is to win the ACC championship. Their goal is to beat Kentucky. You know, that's that's what fans want to hear. Yes. They, they want to hear that the coaches are striving for the same exact things as the fans are striving for. And I just don't understand why Kenny can't say, like, because they'll, they'll – t- I mean – you talk to enough people privately and you'll get, you know, they, they think the basketball staff thinks they have a talented roster. They'll tell, I mean, you talk to enough people close to the program privately, you'll get that message pretty quickly. So I don't yeah. understand, you know, and Kenny will talk about individual players very highly. I don't understand why you can't take that and say, you know, we want to try and finish in the top half of the ACC, just whatever it is, just, give something more than, you know, you're trying to build a culture, you know, that's, that's not, that's not what, what people want to hear, especially coming off a four win season. And and I think Jeff did a great job of answering the question, you know, truthfully, you know, and Mm -hmm. like you said, I mean, comparing Jeff to Kenny is in a lot of ways, not fair. Um, But in a lot of ways, and I hate ways. to do it, but it's almost it's like such opposite answers that you can't I can't help it sometimes because I'm like that is the polar opposite answer, and if <laughs> I hate to do that though, you're right, Ty. And and another thing Jeff said, you know, he said at ACC media days, I believe he said, you know, 
in the world of college athletics today, you have to win right away. And you should, you know, you should have a chance to win right away. And, you know, that's the approach that's needed. You know, there should not be any coach that takes a job around the country. In the back of their mind, they, they're telling themselves, I can win right in my first year, wherever you're at. And when you're at a school like Louisville and, you know, you had, you know, we had the second highest, the highest budget of all programs of, as, as far as Louisville men's basketball. I mean, the reason, I mean, we're spending a ton of money on the recruiting trail, a ton of money in resources, a ton of money in assistant pools. I mean, these assistants are getting paid hand, you know, very well. Yeah. And the least we could get is, you know, we've got to be better than we were last year. You know, we've got to be, we've got to, you know, like just, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand that mindset from Kenny. And yeah, I mean, the long and short of it is, is that with the uh, transfer rule changing and NIL coming in, NIL coming into the, the, the equation um, at the same time, we've basically gone to this like, pro athlete, uh, pro style, uh, system, free agency system, you know, professional coaches, it's not unheard of. They get fired before the end of their second year. And that, that culture is, is disseminating down into, to the college ranks. You know, there is no, is there that, that time that you had before to build a program and build a culture, it's not, not there as much anymore. Um, you know, so like it, it just is what it is. You know, people invest a lot of money and they're spending their money on things, whether it's an institution or their own personal money, they want to see results sooner rather than later. And with the rules the way they are now, it doesn't make any sense why it should be a three or four year rebuild. You can do it immediately. You can get it going. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Let's see. Uh, Did you Taylor Shane says, hi, Ty. Uh, Connor, I'm looking for I'm looking for any questions that. And look, in in also, you know, I've you know, I've tried to ask around about, you know, is there any heat on Kenny this year? You know, what's you know, is he in good standing with him? I got, I got, I got, I had one person tell me that he needs to win big this year, and I've had another another person tell me that he's he's very much got a long leash, so. Yeah. I have no no really solid intel. I mean, I have solid intel, but they don't line up. Um, and so I, I really don't know, you know, what the decision makers, you know, what kind of um, what kind of approach they're taking. Um, you know, I I'd like to know, you know I'd like to think that that um, you know they sent a message, but everything that everything kind of points towards Kenny's got a pass for last year. Um, Kenny's, yep. I feel like someone higher up is telling Kenny that, and that's coming through in Kenny's comments. I mean, he's, it's been pretty clear that he feels like last year was not his fault. I was even told at some of the season ticket holder events that Kenny said, you know, this is going to be the true year one of Kenny Payne. Um, I, I can vouch for that. Yeah. I, was, I heard it personally. 
that's yeah. uh that's crazy actually i'm not gonna lie that's wow yeah <laughs> i don't i mean look i, I don't want to i don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole we've talked about this at well, nauseum yeah. on this podcast yeah no i didn't want to yeah just but yeah. i mean jesus christ he, he like i don't i don't get that one at all and for anybody that thinks we're stuck, because I know a couple of people thought we were like way over the top. I saw a recent podcast that started where the dude called Kenny Payne a cancer and said he was a death of Louisville basketball. Now, we have never even come remotely close yeah, to saying that on here. The most we do is question like what what is the direction? What is the what is that's the definition of success? That's my biggest pet peeve is what is the definition of success for our basketball program? And no. why can't we implement a culture while we focus on winning? Why are the two things always separated? Like first we got to develop a culture and that might take two or three years. Then we can start winning <laughs> basketball games. Like to me, they kind of go together like peanut butter and jelly to complement each other. Good culture creates wins. More wins creates a better, more believable more trustworthy culture and they just kind of feed each other like fire and gasoline. But that's my right. biggest criticism. If you want to call yeah, it criticism to or if it's more curiosity about where the hell we're going. They, they go together try like to build, lamb and tuna fish. There you go. If you try to build the culture first, you're not going to be around to have the winning <laughs> part. So, and look, I know no one wants to hear this, but like, I love seeing Taekwon Dean back in the Kiever center. Loved it. And, yeah. and look, I don't know if that was Kenny Klein who made that happen, but but Taekwon Dean was very vocal about about Kenny Payne and supportive of him. So I would have to assume that Kenny Payne played a large part in getting him back into Louisville. I I mean, Taekwon Dean was my favorite player as a kid, and he's been That's not he's been, he's been separated from the program ever since he left. You know, mm -hmm. I don't you know I don't know if whose fault that is, and I'm not going to pretend to know. But seeing him back in Louisville is awesome. Seeing Kenny let the you know twenty the twenty thirteen guys work out in the facilities that's awesome. Damian Lee coming that's awesome. Like Kenny, I mean, he's done a great job of really bridging the Patino gap. There's a lot of beloved Patino players that just haven't cared, that haven't been around. And look, I don't know if that's going to translate to wins, but. It, it certainly can't hurt to have guys that won at a high level here around the current players. And whether mm -hmm. it's Kenny Payne that's made that happen or whether it's Kenny Klein or whoever, it's been noticeable. And I, I, I mean, I love seeing Taekwon Dean back. You know, Shane Behannon was a guy that was, that was. <laughs> I mean, um, Ash holds up signs throughout the pod. So that's his thing. Shane I didn't Benin, want to say real. Yeah, oh, go boy. ahead. I'm going to say real quick, guys, while we have a lot of people on here, you know, Ty Spaulding, he's the uh, publisher over at cardinalsports.com. Take a look on over at Rivals. Subscribe. I think they even oftentimes have like a month where you can do – Is I don't know, Ty. I don't want to speak out of tune yeah. about your subscriptions. Sometimes there's a free month involved there where you can just trial it. Um, I've been on that site off and on for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. I can say at one time that Rivals – had a falling out during the Cragthorpe era, and, and, and a lot of us jumped ship. Uh, but I can say these days, there's a lot of really good info over there. I enjoy mm -hmm. reading it. I read a bit more over there than I post. But, you know, take a look at it if you're into recruiting, if you like updates, if you like the kind of conversations we've been having tonight. I mean, take a look at it. See if you like it. Speaking of former Patino players, I've got a scoop here. There's going to be a beloved Patino player that 
I believe in the near future will be hired by U of L. I'm gonna leave it at that. And I think I know who it is. I don't think you do. <laughs> David Uh-oh. Paget. We got a tie off. Oh, man, I don't know if I could compete. My I'm I'm the lesser of the two ties here, I think. It's not Peyton Silver, by the way. Okay, that's that was my guess actually. Danny Manning uh, spot. It's not gonna be basketball related, by the way. This is gonna be oh. more on the um the athletics department side. So I would look for some news coming down the pike there uh, in the near future. A guy, Chris that, Redman. a guy that uh, we all That's know. <laughs> Chris Redmond, the Ooh. former U of L shooting guard. What? No, he said it's yeah. not going to no, be bas- basketball. Basketball, no. former basketball. Yeah. No, he's not going to be coaching basketball. He meant. No, no, oh, okay. no, no. It's a former Patino player that will be hired in the athletics department. Uh, so yeah, I mean, look. You know, Jody, we all know Jody's been doing this a long time. He's got you got U of L in his back pocket. <laughs> I thought of Andre McGee no. earlier. I was like, I am not going to no. say and piss off everybody. <laughs> he's the, dude. He's the event Good job, Ross. I'm glad you took that bullet because Andre's gonna be the event comment popped in my head and I immediately shut it down. I was like, Don't say it, Kyle. Don't I'm sorry, say go it. ahead, Ty. Go ahead, Ty. But no, I mean I'm just saying, like, Jody's been doing this a while and he has a bigger following and he you know, he's close to a lot of people at U of L, but you know, I've I've feel good about the sources that I've built and feel like um, there's some good information over there. So, like, uh, like Kyle said, try us out. Um, and you know, I, you know, Dave is Dave is a guy that you know he's not gonna he's not gonna put out ten interviews with quotes from kids. He's gonna wait till there's news to 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 break, and then he's gonna he's just not a guy that's gonna put out a bunch of pieces. You know, the, you know, felt like family. The facilities are awesome. I had a you know, great a lot visit. Of people that do that, and and that, and some people like that stuff. But Dave is a guy that, when you all need to know something, he's going to let you know. But you know, when when someone visits, and you know, they're, you know, there's like a thousand people are going to have quotes from their visit, and look, that's good. That's you know, sometimes those quotes mean mean something, but. You know, with Dave, he's he's a guy that when when something is is down the line, something's in the works, he's going to let you know. And and Travis Graff is as plugged in as they get on the basketball side, and he's the same way. You know, there's just not a lot, been not a, a lot of news, um, you know, from that standpoint for him to chime in on. But you know, I can attest to you know he just ran a camp here in Louisville uh, with made hoops that had. Just about, I mean, Flory Begunda, the number one kid in 2024, was there. I mean, he he got, I mean, he has the connections to get a, he had the connections to get probably 20 to 30, you know, top 100 recruits to a camp in Louisville. That and these kids don't really need any more exposure. They've already got all their offers, but that just speaks to the connections that Travis has. So, and I feel congrats good about to Travis Graff for having he he, he uh, had a child. Recently. Yeah, he did. So, yep. Him him. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, I think, you know, we've got, we've got a good staff and I feel good about, you know, what we've built and, you know, we'd, uh, you know, we'd appreciate if you give us a shot. 
Neil thinks Joseph Seema is the <laughs> second player coach. I thought it was going to be Muhammad Lashage. <laughs> Simon yeah. Adenov. Oh, we can do that all day. Let's not. Let's not do this all day. Matt Wilkinson. <laughs> We're yeah. staying here on, on All right. Hey, we appreciate Ty. We appreciate all these updates, man. We appreciate you've been on here the whole time. And Kendall Dartez. I feel like I've talked too much. I mean, it's your old podcast. So. Nah, man. No, nah, man. That's why you're that's why we brought you on. I mean Absolutely. And uh like I said, guys, check out check out Rivals. Check it out. Just take a look at it and um see if you like it or not. Ty, did you have anything else you wanted to say or exit with before we I mean I could give a quick Satterfield exit story if anyone would be interested in that. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm all oh. ears now. We we Skyline yeah, right. Scott Skyline Scott is a topic I'm of a lot of jokes. I'm sitting up. I'm not listening. sure how let me get comfortable. I'm not sure how uh, how like new this is or I feel like people have heard, but just to give you a little insight into how this all went down. So Satterfield went to Josh Hurd after the season and said, I need two things. I need an extension and I need a raise. Mm-hmm. And Josh told yeah. him seven and five and a loss to your rival like that doesn't get you either of those two things. Scott went to his agent and said, start looking for jobs. That's how that yeah. went down. Scott Bye. said he needed a raise and uh, an extension, and and Josh said, you need to get the hell out. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. You, I, Sad, yeah that, that, that's practicing a, his wave. That lines up. That story definitely lines up with what I'd heard uh, as well, which is just basically he, sucks, he didn't tell man. him so he didn't tell him he was gone. fired or anything. He just no, said, no, he, you're no, not no, going to get it. You're not getting either of those things you asked for. So no, no, he didn't fire him. Want. He did not fire him, nor did he. He just said you're not getting either of those two things. And then yeah. Scott went to Jimmy Sexton, and Jimmy Sexton did what Jimmy Sexton does. Jimmy Sexton, you are a man. Uh, you're a god amongst men for getting Jason, into Cincinnati. Jason asked, "Would you rather go to the SEC or the Big Ten? We're not going to. We're definitely not getting the Big Ten. We're not. We're not getting in either. Unfortunately, I don't so. think we are either. But I would love. I mean, if if the AAU thing and if they were interested, I'd love to be in a Big Ten. I think that the rivalries up there we could develop with some of those teams. Would well, be, there's a there's a root, but I'm I'm hoping for the Big Twelve personally. I I I mean, I think they're a bit more proactive. I don't know what in the world Phillips is doing. Prelude Davis. <laughs> I just uh, you guys are still trying to guess <laughs> basketball coach with the like most random names, but. uh I personally what would I, I personally think we need to be gunning for the Big Twelve, but I don't know how those mm-hmm. things work. I don't know if any talks have happened. Obviously, we probably wouldn't. That those things don't leak. You know, you can't trust. I'm sorry, guys. If you're looking up Greg Swaim and a M H V E R the Mountaineer guy, don't look up those guys. They literally have a different scoop every ten minutes, and it's all bullshit. And according to Swaim, we should already be in the Big Twelve because he. Yeah. Dropped that like three months ago, and we had Ross Dellinger on here, and he was like, eh, "That's not a thing, guys." <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, I've, I think I figured it out. Noah Diakite to the Big Twelve. Noah Diakite <laughs> is the basketball player, Cardinal favorite. Noah Diakite. Okay. If hey, I really had to guess, which I don't, I have no idea. But if I have to guess. 
I think it's one of either Luke Hancock or David Padgett. So I hope it's one of those two. But if it's not, that's fine. But uh, I don't know. I just have those. Angel Nunez or Lorenzo Wade. Uh, (laughs) Obviously, David Padgett was a coach. And, you know, Luke Hancock, I've always had thought had the ability to be a coach. And with with my track record, it's probably not either one. Trent Jesse, we know it's going to be Andre McGee as the event coordinator. So Hell Yeah. Oh God! Talking dollar dollar bills, y'all. Uh, all <laughs> right, he's well, over, he's going to oversee stewardship and events for CAF. All right, guys. Uh, did anybody have any last questions for Ty or anything before no. we? Uh, I think we're about to take off. It's getting you know we're it's an hour and a half. Hour now. I can literally hear my baby upstairs going dad 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 because she probably hears me talking. So, man, Ty, <laughs> I will just say. Thank you for uh, coming on here, man. It means a lot. Like like we said before, you you we've seen you in here. You know it. Uh, you know interacting in the chat and you know supporting us through this. So man, we really appreciate you coming on here and uh, enjoyed a, everything that you had to say tonight. So yeah, thank, thank you. you, thank you, Ty, very much. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, absolutely, man. guys. Um, hopefully, uh, I can come back on. Maybe yeah. football season, basketball season, and we'll absolutely uh, we'll revisit some of these conversations. But thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely, Definitely an open Thank absolutely. Thank thanks, man. All right, guys. Man, man, I mean, that's a lot of good stuff, guys. Yeah, it was, good. Good it was pretty cool. Just sit back and listen. I know. Yeah, it, it was a easy pod for us. We didn't actually have to think. Yeah. I don't do anyway. I think we're we're staying on until we guess the player, right? Like we're that's what we're doing. Yeah, we're going through every single player. Literally, be here like all morning, be like five a.m. and somebody will run out and be like, (laughs) Eric Brown, Jonathan Huffman, (laughs) yeah, Chad Millard. (laughs) Hey, Lorenzo Wade, he's going to teach our players how to dunk. He's going to teach our players how to. I didn't hear you. Extracurriculars <laughs> off the the basketball court. Oh, we Derek should all come back as a tutor. Oh man, academic advisor. Derek character's coming back as an academic advisor. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's also going to ta- teach the guys uh, the arts of custodial engineer as well. Uh, Anthony Eason, good one, has been at practice the last two days. Absolutely. You know, and it's like Ty said, but that's that's what all lines up, that we're just waiting on it to clear. We're waiting on his transcripts to go through, waiting on him to get accepted and rolled. And if he does, he's a card. I mean, and that's that makes two former five-star walk-ons, assuming that he walks on, which is everything we're hearing, which, man, who would have thought? You know, if you're going to get a walk on, why not make it the best rating you can get out of high school? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's really a win-win. There's no lose there. Um, no. I, I just, honestly, I want it to work out for Goodwin because I mean, I remember reading an article, I think it was in like, I don't know if it was the courier journal or somewhere, but he was in the kid was in eighth grade. Okay. And you know, he was getting a lot of buzz already as an eighth grader and he, he was at Olmstead. Um, he was at the Olmstead, one of the, uh, I think it was the Olmstead school. Um, I could be wrong on that, but you know, they were talking about how, um, he played like trombone or trumpet or 
you know, he was, he was very involved in school and his mom made sure that, uh, he, he, he did all his work or he didn't get to go to practice. You know what I mean? Like he seems like a good kid and everything seems like he's, he's always been a good kid, but it just hasn't worked out for him. And I, I want Louisville, his home. I want that to be, I want U of L to be his home and it to work out. For putting it on. Cause this is, I don't know why this is just killing me. Neil, you're, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that comment is, Neil, but uh, it's killing me. The comment section's out of line. It's out of yeah, As always, I would expect yeah. nothing less from you guys, and I would we be very done. disappointed if it was we are done. If hey, you so guys I gotta have you guys catch me up. Very well, that, I need I need you guys to catch me up because you know last two weeks have really been crazy for me. Um and I have I am so far behind. Uh what was this Kenny Payne interview over the weekend that you guys went crazy about? Because I still haven't even watched it. I had a fundraising oh, event. He had Saturday his first and... press conference since the uh, ACC tournament game. Yeah, he had a 41-minute press conference, I believe it was, or 45 minutes. And... It's like his summer update presser. Um, And I wasn't even really going crazy as much as I knew we would have differing opinions on it, and I really wanted to catch. Like, I knew Ross would see it different than I did, and um, – I need to go I back. Like Con- and watch I feel like Connor saw it very extreme. Like he was the extreme version of. I feel like I was somewhere between Ross and Connor, probably a little closer to Connor about it. And then I know Ty was kind of. I, mean, I feel like me and Ty were pretty much on the same page about it. Um, but I wanted to g- run through that and kind of give our feedback as we heard things. And I feel like most people enjoyed it, but there was a couple of. Uh, pessimistic peats and they they claim they're positive but you know mafia their whole time <laughs> well i'm not gonna call them anything ty uh, uh i will just say sorry that, guys uh, were the comments fluffy oh man i uh <laughs> yeah I'm, and i'm not gonna singling by uh, I, I will just say dog. that i stand by every word i said in that you know, in our pod. And I don't think any of it was over the top. I just want some concrete goals, a vision. And I don't want to feel like we're saying things to give ourselves more time to buy more time. Yeah. And Ty even alluded to that tonight. Ty, not, not, not Ty Elliott, but Ty Spalding when he was on. Ty one and Ty two. Kind of alluded to some of those same type of things about, you know, I don't understand why we would, we would answer questions that way unless we were, buying ourselves more time and so we'll see i mean the season's going to get here soon enough we don't need to beat it into the ground i think there's a big extremist group on both ends of the kenny Payne spectrum one thinks that you know one will not let go of four and 28 and they bring it up every chance they get i don't think there's a ton of those people but it sure does seem like it when they overwhelm the message boards twitter social media but then on the other side you have the ones like you can't question any I've let, the argument on the other side, the extreme argument, is that Kenny Payne had no responsibility for last year and nothing that happened went wrong. Every single thing that happened was the fault of the players, and if you complain, it was the fault of the fans. But, like, the defense he ran was perfect. There was no defensive assignments that were missed unless the players missed them. The offense that we ran was perfect if the players just executed it right. And, you know, the guys that we landed, that Kenny Payne landed over half of that roster, you know, if they were better, it was because Kenny Payne landed them. And if they weren't good, it was because 
you know, they were holdovers or they just weren't bought in, which wasn't Kenny Payne's fault. So I guess I'm just trying as a fan, I'm trying to figure out what he is and is not accountable for. And I think that that rubs some people the wrong way. Uh, well, and I do think it's fair to say that, that, you know, at some point they got to start, you know, setting some goals that, that we, that, that we can talk point about to. publicly. I mean, because at some point, you know, our patient, like I've been pretty patient and, and I've been pretty, Sunny, I'm right there with Tron. You know, it's it's still sunny in Louisville. Um, yeah. I, I do think that you know that the staff has a shot to turn this around this year, but uh, you know, at some point they do also have to start talking about what kind of results we're you know they they have in mind for this year and yeah. and to have yeah. some goals because it can't just be hyperbole all the time either. Well, yeah. and it can't. It's like and I, like I said, I did a poor job on that of explaining when when. One of the counter arguments was, well, well, why do you think players need a set a set goal? They should want to win every game, right? But it's accountability. You know, when you set goals, yeah. it holds you accountable to work towards those goals. And yes, we'd all like to think that every kid is going to stay locked in the entire time without guidance. That'd be great, but that's not the world we live in. Adults don't even stay locked in without goals. When, if you <laughs> I work in the field of psychology, and I'm from, I'm, I was in the military. So like human behavior and leadership kind of go hand in hand with my background. And I'm just telling you, people have to have goals. It's like, yeah. it's like run, otherwise you're running a marathon without a finish line. You don't know where it's at. So eventually you're going to say, fuck this. I'm done. I'm going to what if sitting you on the bench. If your goal is to win 20 games, if your goal is to win 20 games, that's not saying, well, the other 10 losses are okay. I mean, it's not like in the moment you're going to be happy when you lose those games. So it's okay to say your goal is to win 20 games or whatever the number is. I'm just throwing that number out. but. Yeah, right. So, I don't, yeah, I don't I mean, want to go. Point, you have to have a tangible goal. Well, we that's all. But basically, sum that up, Ash. That's what we talked about. Uh, so I don't know. Take a listen, man. I don't want to. I mean, and maybe they do it. have one. They're just not making it public. But at some point, you know, you got to inspire the fans just as much as you do your roster. So. With you, man. And that's pretty much all we were really getting at. But um, guys, unless we have anything else, I think we're going to wrap this baby up. Yeah, I mean, I. That was a good pod. Uh, anybody that was here, as always, thanks thanks for coming by. And um, if you've got any good ideas, like uh, starting a, a Cash App or a Venmo or anything like that, like I saw in the chat, <laughs> that's that's fine with me. You know, uh, I'm down. <laughs> so no, we don't force uh, that. So yeah, Red Solo Cup is a great one. We definitely heard that, Chris, on the way to the Ozarks, and listened to that. It was amazing. So. All right. Last words, Ty. Just uh, make sure you guys like the like the stream. Uh, We we preach it every time. Like the stream, like the videos. It's it helps the algorithm. If you enjoy what you watch, make sure you like and subscribe. All the good stuff. Uh, We got some more interesting content stuff kind of lined up. Uh, Maybe some like trivia games, or maybe even like a Jeopardy style game here in a week or two. So we got some stuff in the works. Some more we're trying to think more guests and things like that. Just we're getting so close to football season. Uh, so that'll dominate a lot of the talk. But until then, we got to figure out some things to do. So we got some stuff in the works. But uh Absolutely. if you like what you saw, make sure you leave a like, subscribe, let us know in the comments, all the good stuff. All right. Go cars. Oh, just go cars, man. I love the interview. Listen to Ty Spalding. If you weren't didn't get here earlier, Ty Spalding from Rivals hung out with us for basically the entire pod like an hour 15 hour and 20 minutes mm-hmm. uh rivals publisher for cardinalsports.com 
check it out over there if you haven't already. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Go Cards. Yeah, I'll go uh, and, and just say also thank you, Ty, for coming on. Appreciate that. You got an open door, like we said, when you're on. Um, also, thank you, Kyle, for the plug on Opportunity Through Sport. If anybody else wants to check it out, opportunitythroughsport.org is our website. We got all of our information there. Be happy to, uh, if, if you guys could check that out for me. Um, and Ross, I'll let you close it like you always do. Go Cards, go Kroger. Go Cards. <laughs>